0: let's go let's go! go brought to you by p4p muscle productions and entertainment the number one drug-free athlete sponsorship foundation in the world now now i want you to grab a friend turn the volume up a bit lean in and listen to the show where all the athletes want to talk fit talk with melinda corsino oh,
1: oh. Hello,
0: everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Fit Talk with Melinda. As always, and as you know, uh, it is brought to you by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship in the world. If you're lear- looking to learn more about the drug-free lifestyle or what P4P has to offer, check them out at www.p4p.com. You can use my code, M-E-L-I-N-D-A, for anything on their website. Tonight's topic is... Powerlifting. It's going to be an all-you-need-to-know-for-beginners. We're not going to get super crazy, super technical, but what I have noticed lately is a lot of people who have been competing in bodybuilding uh, for some time or maybe even just, you know, a few shows, have been kind of migrating over to powerlifting. And I'm sure this is something that's been happening for years, but I've noticed it specifically with some of my peer group that I came up in bodybuilding with. And I'm I'm loving to see all the videos that people are posting and the numbers that people are posting, but I, I figured why not do a show, Um, bringing on a special guest to just talk about powerlifting for beginners, what you need to know when you're going into your first meet, how to prepare, what to bring for food, what are weigh-ins, like what happens. So I brought on uh, Zach Cooper. I am not going to list off all the insane letters that he has next to his name or even go over his extensive resume that he sent me. I'm going to let him introduce himself, but I met Zach uh, at my first USAPL meet. I think that was back in February of 2016. Uh, he was a judge or head judge or judge at the show and uh, now Zach and I are actually working together on, on some powerlifting programming which is great but uh, he's definitely a good person to bring on and a wealth of knowledge. So welcome Zach and why don't you give everyone just a quick introduction of you without reading your entire resume because it is just so awesome. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, first of all, thank you, Melinda, for deciding to to bring me on to the show. I really appreciate it. Um, Boy, this is a special year. 2017 is a a special year for me because this marks my 20th year in powerlifting. So I started 20 years ago. um, First, like most people, as a competitor, I powerlifted all through high school, and I powerlifted through college. Um, uh, Went to the national championships a couple of times as a lifter and really uh, started the team at my school as an undergraduate because uh, we didn't have one. And when I started uh, the team, I was the one, only one with any real experience, so naturally everybody kind of looked at me for direction because nobody else had done it before. And <laughs> if you're the only one on the team with any experience, you kind of get the default uh, coaching role. And so yeah. it was my first shot at doing it for a couple years, and uh, I really got into the coaching aspect of it. And so I put uh, lifting as a competitor on hold and really dove headfirst into coaching. And after I graduated with my undergrad, I went on to graduate school and actually became a a collegiate powerlifting coach, and I did that for several years. So uh, this year is 20 years as a powerlifting coach and and lifter. I'm actually an international Category 2 referee with the IPF, the International Powerlifting Federation. I'm a certified uh, senior international coach with uh, Team USA, so I just got back last month from coaching the Team USA team at the Pan American Championships, which is USA versus North America, Central America, and South America. It's like one step below the world championship, and uh, yeah, everything powerlifting is what I do. My uh, One of the businesses I run is specific online programming and biomechanical analysis for lifters all over the world. I have lifters, I think, in f- 15 states and three countries now, so it's... It's awesome. That's all I do. So,
0: just all you do. Well, you're the perfect person to have on here then. And
1: uh, oh, I have to you. say,
0: I was impressed. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I met you, and I'm, I'm working with you. But at the at the same time, I was like, uh, when you sent me your resume, yeah, I had no idea how expensive it was. So this is awesome to have to have you on here tonight. And I think just to start it off, you have someone that's interested in powerlifting they just want to do a meet they're going to say they want to do a meet for fun they're not super serious about it they're not looking for hardcore training or coaching they're lifting at the gym and they want to sign up for their, their first meet what are some key things that they should know going into the meet and I'm thinking like um, rule based uh, the the rules for bench squat and deadlift and the commands Like what should they be studying online if they don't have a coach guiding them
1: hmm well, so first and foremost, I think before we get into the rules, I think you 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 let off the show, Melinda, saying that, you know, you're hearing about these people, like, trying out powerlifting and crossing over from, yep. like, the bodybuilding or physique world. And the number one thing I will tell you, because I, I have uh, worked with athletes early on in my career. I had several uh, bodybuilding athletes that crossed over and wanted to try, like, this was, like, 15, 20 years ago. And the one thing that they all remarked to me that was different about powerlifting compared to the bodybuilding and physique world was they were amazed that guys and gals in the same weight class, in the same age category, their competitors were actually cheering for them on the, uh, like on the platform and actually like wanting them to be successful. And they thought that that was very strange. So the one thing I will say right away, expect a community of people who are welcoming and friendly and, like, excited for you that you are also interested in this weird garage sport that started 40, uh, 45, 50 years ago. Um, So, first of all, expect a a welcoming atmosphere, whether you compete in USA Powerlifting or another uh, federation. uh, It is a welcoming atmosphere of people who all love the same thing, which is just really lifting heavy weights. So, once you accept that, the next thing that I would suggest to these people going to the first competition is focusing on the aspect that, the lifter who wins at a powerlifting competition is not necessarily the strongest lifter, which I think a lot of people, when they they get early on into the sport, they are surprised by that. And that's when I teach these powerlifting coaching certification courses. I, I teach them that it's not usually isn't the strongest lifter that wins. It's the lifter who lifts the most weights correctly, and form, like you said when you asked the question, is certainly. Probably the most important thing that I can tell the lifters that they need to make sure that when they're squatting, their depth is correct, hip joint, below knee joint, when they're benching, that they have a pronounced one count pause where that bar becomes motionless on the chest and that they're doing that and practicing that in, in practice. And then on deadlift that they're not hitching or shelving or ratcheting and that the bar makes a smooth vertical path up and uh, to full lockout extension with the shoulders back and the knees locked. So like practicing form, in the gym, like I hear a lot of new lifters will say, well, yeah, I'll do it on the platform. Well, all my lifters know, if you do not practice it in practice when you're lifting and doing your workouts, it's very, very hard to do it correctly when you get to the competition. So starting with those fundamentals and doing the technicalities of the lift correctly, of practicing the commands on the squat, of the squat and the rack command, and the start, the press, and the rack on the deb- on the uh, bench press, and then waiting at the top whenever you're fully locked out for the down command on the deadlift are, they seem so trivial and so elementary, but I give rules briefings at every competition. I'm sure you heard me say it and at yours is that it's going to happen. Someone is going to mess up a command and they will miss a lift that they otherwise would have gotten correctly and would have gotten past. And it would have been a good lift just simply because they didn't observe the command. So I think you nailed it right on the head, that the technicalities of practicing it in practice are probably the first thing you start with.
0: Yeah, and a great story is myself. I went into my first meet. I didn't practice a damn thing. I went from bodybuilding, obviously, and then I started up with CrossFit. Loved CrossFit. Still love CrossFit. Um, Was always relatively strong for my body weight, so I said, what the hell, let's give it a shot, you know me, if you've known me, or know anything about me, you know that I'm very easily persuaded to sign up for something athletic, and just give it a shot, whether I think I'm going to be good at it or not, got to the meet, listened to the rules briefing, was like, ah, yeah, I can do that, Uh, got up to the, my first squat, super easy weight for me, Um, got up to the platform, went out, listened to not one command that Zach happened to be giving, Put the weight on my back, squatted it, racked it, definitely at full depth, no problem, and three red lights. Why? Because I didn't listen to a damn thing. I didn't do any of the commands. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. So, um, and I in the next the next two squats were good lists, but I literally had to be walked through them because I I was like brain dead when I got up there. So practicing, you can find videos online. Practice if you don't have a coach, absolutely necessary to practice before you get up there and do it on the platform because you have all these people staring at you and and watching you. And if you're not used to that, it might get a little bit nervous. Um, Another thing that I had trouble with going into my first meet was equipment. Um, So let's talk a little bit on what you need to be bringing with you, such as approved equipment, and like things as simple as deadlift socks and wearing a shirt under your singlet because I also didn't know you needed to wear a shirt under your singlet so I was out there like with no shirt under my singlet um, so little things like that do you want to speak on those yeah
1: be happy to talk about that I think that's when when a, so the meet day procedure is pretty straightforward and I'm going to speak from the USA powerlifting uh, perspective because that's mm-hmm. the uh, the organization that I exclusively work with. It's the one that – it's the largest powerlifting organization in the United States. We are the member affiliate of the IPF. The IPF is the uh, World Games Association uh, uh, up, like recognized federation. It is also – the IPF is now officially recognized by the IOC, the International Olympic Committee. That's the reason why I work with them because they are the largest and only – Uh, WADA coded drug tested federation in the United States so we are bigger Mm -hmm. than the next three federations combined so that's why I work with them Mm -hmm. now when you show up the meet day procedure kind of works the same way everybody shows up you check in let them know you're there you show your ID you show your current membership card for USA powerlifting you sign a liability waiver and then you go and you get your rack heights, right? You uh, go to either the ER or the uh, Alico rack and you get your squat rack height and your bench rack height and your bench face safety rack height. Um, and they'll always have that laid out so that way you can get in line and get those rack heights. Um, if you've been to competitions before, you'll probably have those written down and remember them. But uh, they'll always have the rack set up ahead of time. After you do that, the next thing that you'll do is you'll go get in line for uh, equipment check. Um, and the equipment check is done, but usually by a referee. And, and uh, there is a set code of approved equipment that you need to bring. Uh, you're going to need to bring a singlet that is what we call IPF spec, which means it doesn't, at least at a local competition, local level only, it does not need to be approved by the IPF, but it needs to be the same specs. So like an Adidas singlet is an IPF spec spec singlet but it is not IPF approved so you would be allowed to use that at a local meet but you wouldn't be allowed to use it at regionals or nationals or any other national competition so like uh, there are a couple of others there are Matt Mann and Cliff Keen and some of the other ones that make the IPF spec singlets but you can bring those you're going to need a plain white t-shirt or a powerlifting related t-shirt something that doesn't have any profanity on it something that maybe has like your club name or the name of your state or USA powerlifting or something like that, or it could even be plain white. It needs to have no V neck needs to be a regular collar and it needs to have no front pocket. Um, and it needs to have arm sleeves so it can't be sleeveless and it needs to have sleeves that cover your deltoid. So when you check those in, uh, they're going to ask for that. If you have a belt, it needs to like follow regular procedures and coming from the bodybuilding world, Melinda, the one thing I will say is, the bodybuilders need to understand that this uh, a belt is a it is more than a lumbar protector, especially in powerlifting. It kind of serves as like an external uh, diaphragm or an external means of reinforcing your core musculature. So we have like approved brands, but it needs to be something that's no more than 13 millimeters thick, no more than four inches or four inches wide, and it's either a prong or a lever, uh, that kind of, that kind of thing. You got to make sure you bring. Knee high socks for the deadlift. We always get asked why. Yes. This is a relatively new rule within the last like seven to ten years, and that is because um, a lot of times when it's done correctly, the deadlift, r- the bar rides up your shins. Well, a lot of times, especially if you're a conventional uh, lifter and with a wide, sta- wider conventional stance, that bar will scrape the shins. People bleed. Well, we want to be hygienic and we want to be uh, take proper care of the bar, so. If in advance, we want to make sure that we take all necessary precautions, if there's blood on the bar, we have to stop the competition. We have to spray it down with a disinfectant. We have to wait for it to dry and all this stuff. So to avoid that, we ask everybody to wear knee-high socks. So the knee-high socks help prevent the bar uh, from getting covered with blood in the event that uh, you know the, the shins get scraped up. Um, knee sleeves need to be made of entirely of neoprene, no longer than 30 centimeters long. Um, they can be, again, IPF spec. They do not have to be IPF approved, made by SBD or Titan um, uh, of, or, or Metal or Alico, for that matter. They just need to be IPF spec. Um, wrist wraps, same thing, no longer than uh, a meter in length and, uh, and making sure that uh, the thumb loops, that's the other big thing, right? But did you have the thumb loops over your thumbs when you benched? That's the other big thing that people tend to forget when they're using wrist wraps.
0: I did it one time. Yeah.
1: so everybody does it once right and then you take it, and then you get called for it you're like oh yeah okay, I gotta remember to do that so you gotta make yeah. sure that they take the thumb loops off whenever you're doing it a lot of times uh, most people do not remember that they need to take the thumb loops off because they don't do it in practice so get in the habit of taking off your thumb loops whenever you're using wrist wraps on bench in your practice that way when you get up to the platform you're remembering that you need to not do that um, indoor shoes that's the other big thing like if you're an old school bodybuilder or maybe you tried powerlifting back in the 80s and 90s they used to let you wear work boots. You could wear like like uh, Wolverines or Timberlands or something like that back in the day like 20 years ago. We made we since changed that rule to say it has to be an indoor sporting shoe. So a tennis a tennis shoe, a basketball shoe, a running shoe, something made like squat shoes or deadlift shoes or the Olympic lifting shoes, the Ollie shoes like the Romaleos and the um windlays and and the other ones like those, the Adi Powers and those are okay as well um, so the shoes are also important. Um, the other big thing now this is embarrassing but we're on live radio so I'll say this, is yep. you wouldn't believe yep. how many guys show up with boxers now yeah. you never had to deal with this because you're a lady but I did not in USA, <laughs> <Paralympics>, <laughs> in, in USA Paralympics the rule is you must have legless briefs guys that means tidy whities okay so i know those are out of style right i don't wear them and i don't know a lot of guys that wear them but yes we need to have the uh, you you need to have legless briefs not boxer briefs and not boxers but legless briefs tidy whities or jock strap um you cannot you are not allowed to compete commando you must have something so bringing those t- just one pair of tidy whities i know a lot of guys that just keep one pair in the back of their underwear drawer and they only get them out for competition, and that's fine. But that's the other big thing that to remember to bring with you because uh, you can't step on the platform without the proper undergarments on. That's good to know.
0: Uh, I For my CrossFitters out there that have been thinking about doing, like, a USAPL powerlifting meet, a couple of notes from someone who screwed up multiple times, that would be me. You cannot have a Velcro <coughs> belt. You heard him say lever. Let, you know you cannot have a velcro belt i lift with a velcro but i even i even one rep max with a velcro belt i still to this day don't like my belt that i actually lift and meets in um it's not comfortable i, I it's good it's, it's supportive i'm fine with it but i don't like it uh but you cannot wear a velcro belt so don't go there with a velcro belt or you'll end up hoping to find a very nice person that will let you use their belt which i had to do uh what was the other thing? The crossfitter um note that I was gonna make. Me sleeves, uh I was using Redline knee sleeves for the longest time, but then once I hit nationals, they weren't approved. I knew they weren't going to be approved. I'm not sure why I brought them to nationals, but Redline or, like, other types of CrossFit brand for knee sleeves are not approved. There is an entire list online, so if you have questions, this is completely in a rule book that you can pull up through Google. Very easy for USAPL. But uh, definitely look over that list. Again, CrossFitters with our wrist wraps that we wear, those are not approved either if you're thinking of, like, a regional or national level comp. So when I went to nationals, uh, I couldn't use my knee sleeves. I couldn't use my wrist wraps, which was fine at the time. Uh, but again, I I kind of screwed myself, uh, so of speak. So, and, Melinda, uh,
1: would you mind sh- yeah. would you mind sharing with everyone, all your listeners, what you shared with me? About the first time that you actually tried on the IPF-approved knee sleeves that I told you about. <laughs> oh dear
0: lord! Uh, yeah, I looked like a damn idiot. So I, I, but they're amazing. So I bought. I finally said, um, you know, after a year of powerlifting, I'm going to start taking this more seriously. And, and people listening in are probably like, "What do you mean you weren't taking it seriously? I didn't have powerlifting-specific programming." I never really wore. I never really approached a meet correctly, so to speak. I kind of just did CrossFit and then said, ah, eh, I'm sort of strong. Let me do a powerlifting meet. And then I just did them, like, based on whatever, however I felt. My warm-ups is just however I felt. I just jumped into things. And I ended up doing decently well for not really taking it 100% serious, though, of course, I always go into things, you know, 100% anyway, but – I uh, I finally said, all right, I'm going to start working with someone. I'm going to buy the right equipment, other than just the belt, and I'm going to go for it. So I asked Zach, what should I buy for equipment? And he sent me the link for these knee sleeves, uh, these Titan knee sleeves, and uh, they are definitely much thicker than I'm used to for CrossFit. So uh, putting them on. Um, yeah, it took me a good ten minutes to get them on my knees. They weren't even on my knees correctly. They were way too low, and I knew that, but I couldn't get them up any higher. I was rolling around on the ground, trying to get them up my legs, and uh, I definitely I skinned I skinned the tops of my knuckle, like my first knuckle, like uh, uh, skinned. In skin, And I still, I'm looking at them right now, um, they're still skin missing um, because they're thick. And, <laughs> and even with the tricks, like how, you know, CrossFitters, we wear them inside out, upside down in wads. And then when we need to pull them up, we kind of just pull them up and they just go up easily. That doesn't work with, does not work. Um, I, try, I tried again today a little more successfully, but I think I burned at least a 100 calories just trying to get the knees, knees on. <laughs> uh, but once gone,
1: but they definitely in my opinion are worth magical. the investment, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, they're they're so worth the investment, magical. I I've been going through a rough couple months with my squats for some reason things just aren't feeling as good as they used to. It's finally start tur- starting to turn around in the right direction, but I'm telling you I put the knee sleeves on and it was like I felt like I was cheating. Like how easily I was get you know just getting out of the pocket with I mean, there was like a hell of a lot less struggle than when I didn't have them on. I was like, this is what I've been missing for an entire year. What the hell was wrong with Mm -hmm. me? Why didn't I do this sooner? So if you're listening in, do it sooner. Just get them now. Don't wait. Don't be stupid. Don't use the ones you have hanging out in your gym bag. Actually invest in powerlifting knee sleeves. I still need to learn. And
1: to to, to add to that, because I know that there are a lot of CrossFitters out there. We have, uh, USA Powerlifting has CrossFit to thank for a large influx of lifters who um, maybe want to do both or maybe they found that they enjoyed CrossFit but they weren't as good at, it at, as good at it as they thought they would be. And they're like, wait, there's a sport where I can just lift weights and I don't have to do metabolic conditioning. And they try it out and they really like it. So we have CrossFit to thank for that. And what I have said to these people that have crossed over from CrossFit, there are companies that are owned by powerlifters that make equipment four powerlifters, Titan. Uh Titan Support Systems mm-hmm. owned by Pete Alanese is an example. That's the company that made your knee sleeves and your wrist straps. They are a powerlifting company. That's all they do is make the world's, in my opinion, the world's best powerlifting equipment. John Enzer owns inser Advanced Designs in Longview, Texas, and they are a fantastic powerlifting company. That's all they do. So there are companies you can buy that are made in America, owned by Americans that that make equipment specifically for the sport. So you can support a, a domestic uh, a mom-and-pop company.
0: Yeah, and my belt is Inzer, and I got that a while ago just because of my whole debacle with the Velcro belt showing up to my first meet. Uh, but I will, right. kind of on that note, with the first thing Zach said is the community. I showed up, my husband walked me in. I mean, I was by myself. I had no friends there. I didn't have a coach that came with me. I, I didn't have... I didn't know one person at that meet. I went in with all the wrong equipment. I didn't have socks. I didn't have a shirt. I didn't have a belt. Um, I had a girl who was just helping for the day give me her belt. She didn't know me at all. The belts run for about 100 bucks, so they're expensive. So that was very nice of her to trust me to use it for the day. Um, a coach who was coaching a girl that was in my weight class that I ended up beating gave me his shirt. He just saw that I needed a shirt because I, I thought, like, I can just wear a singlet and look all jacked and cool on the platform and not wear a shirt underneath, and he just gave me his shirt, and then um, another girl in my weight class gave me an extra pair of socks. So you're thinking you're competing against these people that just happen to be in my weight class, and their coaches are there too, and everyone's just sharing equipment and helping each other out, and thankfully, uh, everyone, again, it was like a great community. People were cheering me on in the audience, didn't know who they were, so uh, it was definitely a great experience, and uh, everyone is absolutely friendly and, and welcoming and, and helpful with all the questions that you have.
1: While, it, while it's sure. true what you mentioned earlier, that you are competing against other people, um, you know, I think it maybe shares some similarities with bodybuilding in, in the fact that, yes, you're competing against everybody else that you're standing up there on stage with, and yes, you're wanting the judges to rate you according to what they think, and that is also in comparison to the other people you're standing in the neck alongside, but also the journey along the way, the, the diet that you're they're trying to get, the, the eating and drinking schedule and the, the cardiovascular and musculoskeletal routines of lifting and doing cardio that go along with bodybuilding. That's part of the journey and that's what you're supposed to enjoy. I think the same thing is true in powerlifting. When you show up to a competition, everybody has been there. Everybody showed up to the gym. Everybody did the long workouts. Everybody had the setbacks. Everybody, you know, had the, maybe the reps that they didn't get out of, the struggle struggles that they had in their cycle along the way, like you're saying with your squats and um, uh, your bench is coming along a, a huge way, by the way. But uh, I think that that, that is uh, the community that you talk about is the similarity that it, that it holds with, with bodybuilding, that everybody understands the struggles. So, of course, nobody wants to see someone come a long way, all that work, entry fee, drive to the meet, get up early, show up, make weight, and then not be able to lift because they forgot a piece of equipment. Or they bomb out of the meet because they didn't listen to the commands. Everybody wants to see everyone else succeed uh, and be successful and lift heavy weight because they all understand that struggle.
0: Yeah. And it's um, the one thing I like about powerlifting is, that you don't get as much in the bodybuilding community, and it's just due to the type of event it is. Again, this is not knocking bodybuilding. But your, your numbers are your numbers and your lists are your lists. So there's, there's not, I mean, I'm sure it can happen. There's politics in everything, but relatively you do how you do and you win if the numbers are higher than the other person's, and if you hit your list and you did what you were supposed to do and you listened to the commands, then you hit the numbers, and then if your numbers happen to be higher than the other people that show up that day uh, or the other people don't hit their list, uh, you know the the person that has the highest total wins, and the way to high, have the highest total is lift the most amount of weight. So it's it's relatively – low in the politics scheme of things and yes you're competing against other people but at the end of the day your numbers are your numbers so it's really about being you know self-progression what do you want to do so every meet my goal has been and again i've just been kind of throwing myself into these to this point my goal is to try to pr a lift or have a better here. So, like, I want to see improvement in myself every meet, whether that's uh, a two-and-a-half, a, uh, a five-kilo improvement on just one lift, or maybe I weighed in a little bit lower and my Wilkes score was higher, or something positive to take out of it for me to push myself in the right direction. But, again, it's, it's seeing my own progression and not like, well, I didn't beat Mary today. Well, Mary's numbers were better. You know, it's just how it is, but it's very cool because you can be very supportive of everyone that you're lifting with because there's not not that cattiness that can come along with certain other types of competitions that you might go into, which I like.
1: I would agree. I would agree with you. My girlfriend is actually coming out of the fitness physique. Um, uh, She did fitness physique for a while, then she got into uh, uh, CrossFit. She did CrossFit for a while, then she's done Olympic weightlifting. And now she's getting into powerlifting with me, and uh, it's interesting. That's a whole other episode that we should do about being the boyfriend slash <laughs> yep. coach. That's a whole other yes. thing. But, uh, you know, yep. she understands that, yes, and I think she totally would agree with you that the, uh, there's less politics, a little less judgment. It is your numbers are what they are. You show up, you lift the weight correctly, you do it all according to the rules, and your numbers are what they are, and they show um, progression or lack thereof um, based upon the work and, and your performance that day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we kind of wrap things up, and again, I like to do short shows, but I also like to bring people on multiple times. So I'm sure we'll be doing future powerlifting shows. I've done powerlifting shows in the past, but more just highlighting specific competitors versus like an overall what do you need to know. But before we kind of wrap up, uh, is there anything that I didn't mention without going too crazy um, for beginners like showing up that you think I should have highlighted?
1: Make sure you bring food, bring lots of water, bring Gatorade or Pedialyte or whatever. Have carbohydrates ready for the day. You know, your protein, don't worry about it. You put in the work on the protein on everything else that you did that day. The most important thing for macros are are carbohydrates and fat. Complex, simple. Don't just bring a little bit. You're going to need to eat throughout the day. A competition is a little bit more like a marathon than a sprint, right? So you want to make sure you're eating and drinking throughout the competition. Um, you know, there may not be concession stands or a vendor or a food truck or, you know, any kind of catering. So make sure you bring food and water and drink with you. That's another big thing that people tend to forget.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a good point. That was on my radar, but then, of course, we got into all the other fun stuff. Uh, especially if you're hitting, I mean, you're hitting uh, most of these meets or all of these USA Pilmates are two-hour weigh-ins, right? Um, yep. So even Nationals yep. was a two-hour weigh-in. So if you're someone that's, Thankfully for me, I tried to cut down to the 52 kilo class. The first meat I did, I missed it by less than a pound. Um, and after that, I said, screw it, I'm doing 57. So uh, I never really have to cut, uh, though I do get nervous. But uh, if you're someone that has to cut, you know, with that two-hour weigh-in, if it's not something you've done before and you're, and you're slightly dehydrated or, or had to not eat for a specific amount of time, it's... You know, you have two hours to get that food back in you before you have to get on the platform, and you definitely don't want your strength to be, you know, take a hit because of that.
1: Yeah, and if you're interested in the whole, um, uh, a whole like, the weigh-in approach and doing a water cutter versus cutting down, like, slowly, there's a guy in Canada – who uh, named Morris, who wrote a book called The Way of the Way In? And it's a whole scientific approach to learning how to cut down using macros or to do a water cut and how much and over how much time and how to do it based upon where you start from and where you're going to. And I highly recommend it. It's very scientific. It was done scientifically. It's not conjecture based. So it's a really good way of doing it if it's something that you're considering doing. Uh, called Way of the Way In. The last name is Morris. Way of the Way In.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Thanks for
1: having me. And uh,
0: definitely we will do some sort of a follow-up show. There's so many topics to cover. But again, I just wanted to get the the basics out there for people who are are just interested in doing something for the first time and giving it a shot. So I guarantee if you give it a shot, you'll probably want to give it another shot. So it'll be probably a continual year of power listing for you if you get interested because there's it's, it's such a good experience that I think everyone should put themselves out there. If there's something that's been on the back of their mind, just jump right into it. Give it a try. Um, but do your research, and if you have the money or the resources, I would definitely consider uh, going to a coach that will help you along the way. Don't do what I did and kind of just jump into things for not prepared. But, um yeah, so if anyone has any questions that we didn't cover, feel free to shoot me a message. If I don't know the answers, I will reach out and, and get the correct answers for you. But, again, thank you for coming on, and I hope to talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show.